your way. I, I, you, you know, I make reference a lot of times uh, to Cliff Notes. I'm going to read you the Cliff Note version of a story that most of you are very familiar with from Scripture. Here it is. You're just going to recognize it when I read it. A long time ago, there was a man named Jacob. Jacob had 12 sons. Yes, you heard that right. And one of those 12 sons was named Joseph. His father loved Joseph the best. He even gave him a coat, a special coat, and this made his brothers hate him. The brothers were shepherds, and one day they were out watching their sheep, and Joseph went to find them. They saw Joseph coming, and they decided that they were going to kill him. So they took off his coat, and they threw him in an empty well. And while they were eating lunch, a caravan of traveling salesmen came by on their way to Egypt. They had camels loaded with spices. So instead of killing Joseph, the brothers made the decision that they're just going to sell him into slavery. Then they took Joseph's coat, and they splashed it with blood and took it back to their father and told him that a ferocious animal had eaten Joseph. Meanwhile, the traveling salesmen took Joseph to Egypt, where they would sell him to Potiphar, one of Pharaoh's chief officials. And the Lord was with Joseph and gave him success. Now, Joseph was totally hot, and Miss Potiphar had a thing for Joseph. And she begs him to sleep with her. But Joseph runs, and she screams. So Joseph gets thrown into prison. But the Lord was with Joseph and gave him success. The warden of the prison really liked Joseph, and he put Joseph in charge of all the prisoners. Years go by, and the king of Egypt, who was named Pharaoh, had some really bad dreams. And he hears about a guy in prison who can interpret dreams. So they drag Joseph out of prison, and he interprets the dreams. Joseph predicts there's going to be seven years of all-you-can-eat buffet, followed by seven years of famine. So the Egyptians had better stock, start stockpiling food. Pharaoh made Joseph a deputy pharaoh. Pharaoh put Joseph in charge of economic development, so he starts stockpiling food for the time of famine. And the Lord was with Joseph and gave him success. In seven years, people from all over the, come to Egypt to buy food. Eventually, Joseph's brothers come to buy food, but they don't recognize him. When the brothers talk about their father, Joseph is overcome with emotion, and he tells them that he is their long-lost brother, and everyone is stunned. There's a lot of crying and hugging, but Joseph sends them home to get their father. They pack up dear old dad and everything they, move, everything they own, and they move to Egypt, where they would live for 400 years. Let me tell you. Life is going to deal you cards. That's just the way life happens. Life is going to deal you cards, and sometimes the cards are good, and sometimes the cards are bad. Sometimes good things happen in life, and sometimes bad things happen in life. But here's the thing I want you to hear about the cards. The cards are good, and the cards are bad. But I don't blame God for the cards. That's one thing you have to understand straight up front this morning. I don't blame God for the cards. 
You see, God created Adam and Eve. And Adam and Eve brought sin into the world. So along life's way, there are going to be cards. And one of those cards that we all are going to experience is the card of disappointment. Disappointment is just part of life. And again this morning, I'll just tell you, if you haven't experienced, experienced disappointment, you will. And if you haven't experienced it, you don't know what life is really like. But I think most of us have experienced this card called disappointment. See, Jesus told us to pray. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And that means that sometimes we're going to get the card of disappointment. But here's the problem. When we get dealt that card, how are we going to handle that card? See, if you get dealt the card of disappointment, then that means that you're going to have to figure out how things are going to work out. And that's exactly the reason, and this is exactly the place where I want to dive into the story of Joseph this morning. Because you see, it's interesting when, when, you, when you talk about the story of Joseph, it starts out with disappointment. But it's almost like immediately in the story, Joseph gets dealt another card, and that's the card of dysfunction. Now, for those that might not know the background to the story, let, let me give you a little more information than you received just a moment when I read my Cliff Notes version of the story of Joseph. Jacob is Joseph's father. And Jacob falls in love with Rachel. And all we really know about Rachel is that Rachel had a sister named Leah. And I think it's really interesting how the Bible describes Leah. Look at, look at Genesis 29, verse 17. Here's what the Bible says regarding Leah. It says, Leah had weak eyes, but Rachel was lovely in form and beautiful. That's interesting. The Bible tells us that, that Leah had weak eyes. And again, there, there's a reason when you think about it. You see why Jacob doesn't fall in love with Leah. You see why he falls in love with Rachel. Again, we don't know whether Leah had a unibrow. We don't know whether she was cross-eyed. We don't know whether she was like Marty Feldman in Young Frankenstein, you know, looking one way and down the other. We don't know that. But Jacob wants to fall in love, and he goes for Rachel. And look at what the Bible says in verse 20. So Jacob served seven years to get Rachel. But they seemed like only a few days to him because of his love for her. So for whatever reason, Jacob was really in love with Rachel, and things went really, really well. And they decided to have a wedding. And you have to remember back in that culture, when you had a wedding, there was lots of wine. 
I'm going to think it was research. You know what I'm saying? Pinot Grigio, something really good. A nice white, fruity, you know, great tasting wine. I mean, they had lots of wine. Here's the other thing you have to know. They also wore veils. And that's when we find out that Jacob's to-be father-in-law substitutes Leah in for Rachel. We don't know what happened because clearly Jacob wasn't looking at the eyes. Does anybody know what I'm putting down this morning? He wasn't looking at the eyes, and he wakes up the next morning, and he says, I have no idea what has just happened. So all of a sudden, Jacob wakes up with two wives. Now, let me just tell you this morning, most of you know this, two wives is a bad idea. Two sister wives is a really bad idea. So what happens? They both give their servants to Jacob to marry. So Jacob wakes up with four wives, ten sons, one daughter, and he still doesn't have any kids with Rachel, the one who he really loved in the first place. And then Joseph is born. And look at what the Bible says in Genesis chapter 37, verse 3. It says, now Israel, who was Jacob, loved Joseph more than any of his other sons because he had been born to him in his old age and he made him an ornate robe. Now think about that. Again, we're going to leave that up there in just a moment. Think about that. He made an ornate robe for Joseph, who was really his favorite son. Let me, let me, let me bring that home in our culture. That's like giving your favorite son a MacBook Pro and all the rest of your children Chia Pets. I mean, that would absolutely tick everybody else off. And again, that's the place where we see the dysfunction. That's the dysfunction that Joseph, he didn't ask for it, but he's actually born into it. And right now, some of you in this auditorium are looking, me, are looking at me, and some of you are watching me online, and you're saying, Randy, those are my cards. Those are the very cards that I have been dealt in my own life. It's disappointment and it's dysfunction. And here's the thing I want you to understand. Listen to me this morning. Joseph didn't ask for this. Joseph was born into this. And again, think about it. He's the favored son. And then he starts having these dreams, these dreams of, of people bowing down to him. And those dreams were kind of like the catalyst that ticked off his brothers, and they try to kill him. Now, now listen to what I'm about to say. That, my friends, is dysfunction, and I want you to hear me. There's a lot of funk in the middle of dysfunction. And that's the dysfunction that Joseph was born into. That dysfunction is the place where the brothers decide, we're not going to kill him. But instead, what we'll do is we'll just, we'll just sell him to these traveling salesmen. Here's what it says in verse 6. It says this, Meanwhile, the Midianites, the traveling salesmen who took Joseph, they sold Joseph in Egypt to Potiphar, one of Pharaoh's officials, who was the captain of the guard. So this is the place that we pull out the next card that Joseph gets dealt. 
it's the card of rejection. Now think about that. Because that may be what you're experiencing in your life today. You look at your life and listen, listen. There was a time that somebody wanted you. But you don't know why. Now they don't want you. You don't understand what happened. You don't understand how things actually turned out this way. But that's the card you've been dealt. Rejection. So think about this. Joseph is this pampered, favored little boy. Now he's a slave to the captain of the guards, a.k.a. my name, I call him Dr. Death. He's a slave to Dr. Death, the captain of the guards. So in the big picture, I mean, things in the life of Joseph, they, they, they aren't looking good. But this is the place where we start to get a little glimpse of how Joseph is going to deal with the disappointment card that's been dealt to him in his life. I mean, think about it. When you're dealt the card of disappointment, you can go a thousand different ways. I mean, you can respond to disappointment in a thousand different ways or a thousand different directions. But Joseph makes the decision to respond to the card of disappointment by just blooming in the place that he's planted. Joseph makes the decision to, to just deal with that card by blooming in the place that he's planted, by learning the language, by working hard. He's going to listen to the culture and everything that's happening around him. But there's something interesting that we see, this interesting phrase that keeps popping up throughout the story of Joseph. And, and this phrase goes like this, the Lord was with Joseph. Look at verse 2 of chapter 39. The Lord was with Joseph and he prospered and he lived in the house of his Egyptian master. I want to give you the thought of the day. And again, this is one of those things that you can do. If you have your phone and you want to make pictures of the screens behind so you can remember stuff instead of writing things down. Here, here's the thought of the day. This is the thought of the day. If you believe that God is ultimately in charge of your cards, then it should change the way that you play those cards. If you believe that God is ultimately in charge of the cards that you are dealt in life, then it should change the way that you play those cards. You need to hold on to this. Because here's the thing, if you believe that God is in charge, it should change the way that you play everything. It changes the way that you play every card that life is going to deal you. I mean, just look at Joseph's life. He's been dealt disappointment. He's been dealt dysfunction. He's been dealt rejection. So watch how he plays things.
because he do he does it the way that God would want him to do it. It says in verse 3 of chapter 39, when his master saw the Lord was with him and that the Lord gave him success in everything he did, Joseph found favor in his eyes and became his attendant. He goes from being a slave to being an attendant. Potiphar put him in charge of his household and he entrusted to his care, to the care of Joseph, everything that Potiphar owned. And again, this morning, you and I make the mistake of hearing the phrase that the Lord was with him, and we naturally think that because the Lord is with him, that everything in his life is going to be okay in his life. Again, we reach a point in the, in the story of Joseph where now he's gone from slave to an attendant of a high-ranking official under Pharaoh, that's Potiphar, and we think, oh, everything in the life of Joseph is starting to be okay. But then all of a sudden, it's like the cat steps on the remote control to the television and changes the channel. And we go from this story where everything is working out okay to watching The Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. You know what I'm saying? It's a crazy cat fight. All of a sudden, things change. And Potiphar's wife enters the story, and Potiphar's wife has got the hots for Joseph. Now, let me tell you this this morning. Again, maybe something that you didn't know. Potiphar's wife was probably a trophy wife because the Egyptians placed very little value on the sanctity of marriage. So she gets the hots for Joseph. And she keeps pestering him to come to bed with her. Come to bed with me. And, and, and let me just say, in the Hebrew it's much more graphic. She didn't say, hey, I just met you, call me maybe. She didn't say that. That's not what she said. It was much worse than that. So this is the place where we get a new card. It's the joker. It's the wild card. And here's what's interesting about the joker or the wild card. You can play that card any way you want. That's a card that you can play any way that you want to play it. See, here's what happens in your life like it's happened in my life. You know, we get a few of these cards. We get disappointment. We get dysfunction. We get rejection. And finally, we get the wild card. And we start to realize, you know what? I've got other options now. I can do other things with my life. Because you can play the wild card any way that you want to play that card. And Joseph could have done the very same thing. Joseph could have decided to react to the things that have happened in his life any way that he wanted to react. Because after all, he had been rejected by his own family. He had experienced disappointment. He had been born into dysfunction. He had all these things happen to him. I mean, if all these things are happening to you, why would you feel like following God? Because things are going bad in your life. You see, this morning, here's the thing. 
Some of you are sitting in this auditorium listening, watching online, and you're single. And you think that God should have brought the right person into your life by now. And the longer that God takes to fill that void in your life, you're thinking, you know what? I'm going to take that card right there, and I'm going to play that wild card. I'm going to play that joker. I'm going to play it any way that I want to. See, a lot of you single people think that the married people have it all figured out. But then a lot of those married people would say this to you. Let me show you what behind, look behind me. The only thing worse than being alone is wishing that you were alone. You see, you have people who are married who for whatever reason, just listen, listen, they're not getting what they want. And they take that card right there and they say, you know what, it's okay. It's okay for me to get on social media and to flirt with my college sweetheart. My old flame from high school. My old boyfriend from back in the day. See what I'm saying? Life deals us that wild card, that joker. And we naturally say when things are going bad that we're, we're going to get that card and we're going to play that card any way that we want to. So what's the difference in the life of Joker? The difference is that if you believe that God is ultimately in charge of the card, it should change the way that you play the card. Even when you get the wild card. Even when you get the Joker. Because look, look at what happens when Joseph gets the joker. Verse 9 of chapter 39. Here's what it says. Look, look behind me. It says this. Joseph's response is, how could I do that? Talking about sleeping with Potiphar's wife. How then could I do such a wicked thing and sin against God? Do you notice what he doesn't say? He doesn't say, hey, Lady Potiphar, your husband is Dr. Death and he could kill me if he catches me sleeping with you. He doesn't say that. He doesn't say, wait, I'm saving myself for marriage. But instead, what does he do? Look at what it says. How then could I do such a wicked thing? And say, he brings up God. Because he knows that God is in charge of the card. So it's going to impact the way that he plays the card. Now listen to me this morning, because I'm going to be a little graphic myself. Miss Potiphar, Lady Hotness, she's all over Joseph. I mean, Lady Hotness is all over him. And Joseph says, no. And every red-blooded man that I have talked to about this story says, man, I'd be, I, I mean, you know, I wouldn't, I, how could, I mean, I, I can't believe he's turning that down. But he says no. Because he believes in the way that God plays the card. 
And the story tells us that, that Miss, Miss Potiphar just keeps on and on and on and on. But Joseph was intentional in staying away from her because he knew that she was going to be trouble. So we think, great, great, things are great. Joseph is being obedient, so God must want to be with him at this point. Joseph continued to be faithful to God, even though he didn't deserve disappointment and dysfunction and rejection. He continued to be faithful to God, even though he didn't deserve any of that. And he didn't play the wild card the way that he could have. So if you were God, you would probably say, you know what, I love Joseph. I just believe in him. And if that's the case, then I want you to explain this. One day, Lady Potiphar walks in. She grabs Joseph by his coat. Joseph pulls out of his coat and tries to get away from her, and she tries rape. Which means that Joseph goes to prison for 10 years. And you're like, wait a minute, Randy. I thought you said that the Lord was with Joseph. So how does that happen if the Lord is with you? Now, let, let me just say this. I saw some people who I know are visiting here, to, here today, and you may not understand what we believe as a church. But when God said that everything would work out in our lives, here's what we believe as a church. It do doesn't always mean it's going to happen right now. It doesn't mean that everything is going to be beautiful in our life right now. Because we understand that even our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ didn't have a perfect life. He experienced disappointment because he had to go to the cross for you and for me. We understand that because all of the apostles were martyred for following Jesus. We understand that because Jesus told us, take up your cross and follow me. We understand that even though you follow God, that sometimes things aren't going to work out in our lives like we want them to. See, here's the thing I know. I, I know that you can understand that if you do something wrong, you should pay the price. You understand that. If you do something wrong, you should go to prison. We understand that people who do, do things wrong, they should go to prison. But what happened to Joseph was injustice. Joseph gets dealt the card of injustice. And that's where some of you are this morning. Some of you are living this morning with injustice. 
I didn't do anything to them, but they did this to me. And I don't possibly understand how this can be fair. Because what's happened to me doesn't make any sense. So here's our question. Here's our question about the story of Joseph. What does Joseph do while he's in prison? Is he going to break out of prison? Is he going to whine and cry about being in prison, about being, being mistreated? The answer, listen, listen, listen. The answer is no. Because he knows who's in charge of the cards. And he knows that he's going to play those cards that way. See, everything that we see in the life of Joseph goes back to that quote, the thought of the day. If you know that God is in charge of the cards, shouldn't it change the way that you play the cards? But while Joseph was in prison, the Lord was with him. And, and let me tell you, I, I wish I could tell you something that would just make you just instantly all smile and laugh and giggle and feel good. But, but we're talking about disappointment. Look, look behind me at verses 20 and 21 of chapter 39. But while Joseph was there in prison, the Lord was with him. He showed him kindness and granted him favor in the eyes of the prison warden. Now, while Joseph is in prison, everything goes well. But, but then we all know the story. You kind of heard me tell about, a little bit about it a while ago. There's this whole story about the cupbearer. Uh, the cupbearer had a dream, and Joseph interprets the dream for the cupbearer. And the cupbearer says, you know, when I get out of prison, I'm going to make sure and tell Pharaoh about you and about your gift of interpreting dreams. The cupbearer gets out. Two years go by. Nothing happens. Then one day, Pharaoh has a dream. And that's when the cupbearer says, wait, wait a minute, wait a minute. There was a guy in prison who could interpret dreams. But Pharaoh, I forgot to tell you about him. Look, look, look at the next verse, verse 14 of chapter 41. So Pharaoh sent for Joseph. Now, it's really important, the wording here. And he was quickly brought from the dungeon. He's been waiting for two years. And this is something that I want you to know this morning. L listen, listen to me. Sometimes when you're looking for hope, listen, listen. Some of you right now are in a hopeless situation. But sometimes when you're looking for hope, look at the screen behind me. It involves a lot of waiting. It involves a lot of waiting. I mean, think about it. At 17, Joseph was sold into slavery. When he's 30 years old, that's when he's going to do something amazing. But the period in between 17 and 30 is a long time. And let me tell you, friend, that's a lot of waiting. And let me tell you this morning, listen, right here. Whether you're here today and you're in a bad marriage, or you're here today and you're single, Maybe you have financial problems or, or you're, you know, you're in a bad job. Hope usually involves a lot of waiting. What does the scripture say? What does the scripture say over and over again? Wait 
on the Lord. We see it over and over in the Bible. Look at what it says in verse 15 of Genesis 41. Pharaoh said to Joseph, I had a dream and nobody can interpret it. But I have heard it said of you that when you hear a dream, you can interpret the dream. Now, now think about it. Think, think about the cards that you've been dealt if you're Joseph. And now you are here in front of the most powerful man in the world, the man who can reverse all of these things and change all of these things in your life and set things right. You finally have a chance to get all these things to work out the way that you want them to. So what do you do? Look at verse 16. You tell Pharaoh, the most powerful man in the world, I can't. I can't do it, Joseph replied to Pharaoh. But God will give Pharaoh the answer that he desires. To which everybody in that room that day would respond, no, don't say that, Joseph. Are you crazy? You've been dealt a bad hand in life, and right now you are in front of the most powerful man in the world the guy who can make everything right. And what do you do? You decide to bring up God to the guy who thinks he's God. Are you nuts? To which Joseph would reply, no, I'm not nuts. I'm the guy who believes that God is in charge of the cards. And if God is in charge of the cards, it's going to change the way that I play the cards. If you believe, listen, listen, Crawford, listen. If you believe that God is ultimately in charge of the cards, it should change the way that you play the cards. It's unbelievable. So Pharaoh tells him the dream. And, J and Joseph tells him there's going to be seven bad years that are going to come after seven good years. So Joseph gives Pharaoh a plan. And let me tell you, the plan seems so good to Pharaoh. It seems so good to Pharaoh that it's like the catalyst for what I think is one of the coolest statements that is made in the entirety of Scripture. Look at verse 36, uh, verse 38 of chapter 41. So Pharaoh asked them, can we find anyone like this man? One in whom is the Spirit of God. Alex, leave that up there. Wouldn't it be cool if that was put on your tombstone? Wouldn't it be cool to have that put on your tombstone? Wouldn't it be great to be known as somebody who was different and you were different because of the Spirit of God? This, my friends, is a pagan king who is making one of the greatest statements in all of Scripture. So let me ask you a question. 
what is it that everyone sees, or why is it that everyone sees the Spirit of God in Joseph? Why, why did they see the Spirit of God in Joseph? Because isn't the Spirit of God in every one of us who are believers? I mean, Jesus promised us that. He said, when I leave, I'm going to send back to you the Comforter. The Comforter would come, and the Spirit would be on us or in all of us. So the Spirit of God is here. So why don't more people see the Spirit of God in people who call themselves Christians? And I'll tell you the answer to that question. It's because you and I don't live like the Spirit of God is in us. We're not living like the Spirit of God is within us. It's because we get the wild card, we get the joker, and we decide, you know what? I've been dealt all these other cards, and I'm just going to do whatever I want. I've had all these other bad cards dealt to me in my life. And I'm not happy with the way things are going, and I don't think God is taking care of me, so I'm just going to take my wild card, and I'm going to live my life any way that I want to. Is there anyone like this in whom we could find the Spirit of God? Let me ask you, let me ask you this question this morning before I close. What are people saying about Jesus? Look, look, look at this question. What would the world look like if those of us who call ourselves believers started acting like believers? What would the world look like? So Pharaoh says to Joseph, this is amazing. From now on, you're going to be the vice president of operations. So finally... Joseph gets to play the ace of spades. I mean, you know, he's 30 years old. He finally gets to play the ace of spades. I mean, he literally goes, listen, listen to this. I want to bring this into context. He goes from prison to being the vice president, president of operations for the entire world. All in one shot. I mean, it's like, it's, like, it's like this story of Joseph is a crazy story. It's a rag-to-riches story. We think it's a rag-to-riches story, or is it a rag-to-riches story? Because look at what Jesus said in Matthew 25. He said, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things, so I will put you in charge of many things. See, you think the story of Joseph is crazy, but it's not crazy at all because that's exactly the way. Listen, listen, that's exactly the way that God said it would be. In spite of all the adversity, in spite of all the little things, Joseph takes great responsibility with them. In spite of disappointment, in spite of dysfunction, in spite of rejection, in spite of injustice. Everything started to work out. That's how it went. And I'm going to tell you this morning, that's true for all of us. 
listen to me so you understand this. I had to have some negative things happen to me because it's the negative things that actually brought me to this stage. And Joseph had to have the negative things happen to him so that he could become the leader that he needed to be. I want you to look at this quote. Look at this quote behind me. Ken Geyer says this, pain is the chisel that crafts our character. And I'm going to tell you, I know this morning, this is not the most fun message. This is not the most uplifting message. But I think we have to realize that sometimes God uses those things to make us into the people that he wants us to be. Well, that's not the end of the story. Because there's one more card that's going to be thrown at Joseph. And it's another wild card. Because you see, that's when his brothers come back. And Joseph gets the opportunity to kind of play with them and to test them. But it's in that moment that Joseph breaks down. And he tells them that he's their brother. And that he loves them. And that this is the way that God wanted it to be. So there's one more lesson because there's one more wild card. And I want you to hear me because I talked to some people about this this week, about this this week. The people that disappoint you in life, the people that cause the dysfunction in your life, the people that rejected you, the people that brought on the injustice in your life, did whatever they wanted to do and caused these cards to be dealt to you in your life? Listen to me this morning, Crossroads. Almost always, those people are going to come back into your life because they're going to need something from you. And at that moment when Joseph's brothers are sitting in front of him, he could have played this card any way he wanted to. But what did he do? He did whatever anyone would do that believed that God was in charge of the cards. And he's going to play them. Look at Genesis 45. It says this. I'm your brother Joseph the one you sold into Egypt. And now do not be distressed and do not be angry with yourselves for selling me here because it was to save lives that God sent me ahead of you. Look at the next two verses, verses 7 and 8. To save your lives by a great deliverance. So then it was not you who sent me here, but it was God. It was not you, but it was God. My good friend Lucy Jackson always reminds me, God has a plan. And this is the way that it was supposed to be. And so I don't worry about all this. 
because God was in charge of the cards. And God plays the cards the way that he wants to play the cards. And when God plays the cards, listen to me this morning, it's all for his glory. You see, guys, it's difficult for us. Because we look at all these scenarios in the Bible, and let me just tell you, the story of Joseph, it turned out well. It did. It turned out well. Joseph got to be the vice president of the world. He got to have a family. All the things in his life got to be redeemed. But the Apostle Paul, listen listen to me, listen, listen, listen. The Apostle Paul died in prison. A prison that he was hoping to get out of so that he could go to the world and preach the gospel. But while Paul was in prison, listen to me this morning, a place that he did not want to be, what did Paul do? In the darkness of that prison, he wrote letters. And those letters became what you and I know as most of the New Testament. While he was in prison, instead of being out preaching like he wanted to be doing, Paul wrote letters that would impact the lives of billions and billions and billions of people in the years to come. Because even in prison, listen, listen, even in prison, he acted and lived like one who knew that God was in charge of the cards. What's going on in your life? What's happening in your life today? You know, as I ask you what's going on in your life right now, I have to be honest with you and tell you that I'm not sure that you'll truly ever understand everything that is happening in your life. But you will never have hope in the middle of your disappointment until you grab onto this next verse, Romans 8, 28, and I want us to read it all together as best we can. Here's what it says. Let's go. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. He's going to figure it out. So my challenge to you this morning is this. Can you live as a person who believes that God is in charge of the cards? And will you let that impact and affect the way that you play those cards? Here's the end of the story. Look at verse 12 of uh, of Genesis 41. Then Pharaoh took his signet ring from his finger and put it on Joseph's finger. He dressed him in robes of fine linen. Do you see what's happening here? He dressed him in robes of fine linen. Joseph, look, 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 look. Joseph got his coat back. I mean, think about it. He lost two coats. He lost his technicolor dream coat, and then he lost his other coat when Lady Hotness, Lady Potiphar, dragged it off of him. But in the end, listen, listen, in the end, He got his coat back. And that's what I want to promise you this morning. 
in the end, you're going to get your coat back. Did you hear me? Did you hear me? In the end, you're going to get your coat back. It may not happen in this life, but you will get your coat back. Because in the end, God's going to show you why he played the cards in your life the way that he played the cards. And he will make everything work together for good. So let me give you a helpful hint. God is in charge of the cards. Did you hear me? God's in charge of the cards. You might as well go ahead and believe it. And you might as well go ahead and live your life that way. Because the only way to deal with this life is to be safe in the arms of God and to trust Him. What would it look like for me, for you, to live a life where we believe that God is in charge of the cards? Would you bow your heads this morning and pray with me, please? God, it's so easy to think that we're in charge and that, that we can change things. But God, ultimately, you're in charge. And God, the sooner that we recognize, the sooner that we learn that, the better off we'll be. Submitting to your direction, to your leadership, to the plan that you have for our life, just like the plan that you have for Joseph's life. If we want to experience hope in the middle of disappointment, it's just recognizing and surrendering to you, the author, the finisher of our faith, to placing our trust and our hope in you. In Jesus, our Savior, our Redeemer, our Forgiver, and our Friend. God, let us be those people who believe that you're in charge of the cards. And because we know that, 